Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. This will be the last episode of 2020. It has been, to say the least, a crazy year for the whole human race. I know that personally, I've taken some respite in podcasting with Zach and Raul throughout the year. Now, more than ever, it feels wonderful to just virtually hang out with friends and to continue completely fabricating answers to geek culture's most superfluous questions every other week or so. While the show will always continue to be very little more than an excuse for old friends to talk to each other, it's also really gratifying to know that there are a few people who join us on these quests. As novice and unprofessional as we are after more than seven, maybe eight years of podcasting, it still always feels great to make something fun and simple and stupid and put it out there to share with others. I would liken this to cooking and sharing a meal with people. You don't have to be a four-star Michelin chef to enjoy breaking bread with others. Frankly, I don't even know what that means. Do you, do you drive to work on Michelin tires? I don't know. I could probably just Google it, but I digress. In 2021, I would like to do more prep work for the podcast. I enjoy making all of our episodes, but I think it is very obvious when we are a little more prepared. Go check the Orson Welles episode for what I think is a great example of this. To that end, we're hoping to revive the QQ adventure, for which I bought 80 choose-your-own-adventure books. Not kidding. Frankly, I have no idea if anyone remotely enjoys listening to those, but personally, I know I have an absolute blast recording and editing them. So thanks for bearing with us. Now I want to wrap this up with an apology. This episode, my sound quality is absolutely terrible. Uh, some mic settings changed. I'm honestly not even sure how that happened. Windows update, I don't know. But in any case, my voice pops and is irritating as heck, for which I apologize. The good news is that Zach and Roll will do the majority of the talking this episode, and because of that, I felt like this episode was still worth releasing. Yeah, apologies again for the poor audio quality of this episode. I hope you're able to enjoy it anyway. And again, sincerely, thank you for joining us. But please always remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends and family, not of their co-hosts or co-workers, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. So thank you for joining us throughout 2020. See you in 2021. And thank you for respecting our individuality. Time's up. Let's do this. I'm ready. I'm not ready. Welcome, dear listener of the QQ Cast. Today is Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020. We're your hosts on the pod, Zach Mayer and Raul Torres. Say hi, gentlemen. Hi, hi gentlemen. Correct. And this, dear listener, is the QQ review for Stuff in 2020. Man, that makes it sound real terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we are going to review 2020, right, as a whole? It's uh, like... No. <laughs> <laughs> Two cues. Do not recommend. Please tell me you're wearing your shirt. I'm not right now. I have a Discovery shirt on, because that's been good. <laughs> so, dear listener, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that did happen in 2020 that is worth talking about that we just never got around to. So we're just going to QQ review miscellaneous stuff. Uh, Roll that excludes politics. That excludes horrible other global events. Uh, we're going to just, again, escapism, nerd media, streaming services, goddamn video games, all those fun types of things. I think there's a little uh, a little game you punks have been uh, talking about, You've been playing on the cybers. Uh, I can't, I can't make this keep going. You, you were talking, yeah. gentlemen. Oh, I thought you were talking about Among Us. <laughs> I mean, that's Don't... been great. That description was pretty sus. <laughs> Uh, we can do both. Um, 
it's the game that everyone was hyping up for, I want to say, seven years? And it finally Maybe came more. out. And it's only playable on... Was was anyone actually hyping it? Was that a thing? It was felt kind of forced meme for a while, but like... Hmm. I mean, I know that Run the Jewels made a song for it, and I was sure, why not? They, they got a... And they got Keanu Reeves, so I mean, like... There's a very interesting hype machine going around that whole product right now, so it, it, it had my attention without me even caring about the game, so... Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, the memes have been really the best part for me, personally, because I feel like it, an outsider looking into them sometimes. Um, for the record, Cyberpunk was originally announced in May 2012. So that's, what, eight years? Eight and a half now? <laughs> Uh, and in all fairness, like they were supposed to release this, I guess uh, the first the first release date was in April of this year, right? And then they pushed it back to I forgot June or something, and then September, and then finally December 10th when it finally did release. So it got delayed for the better part of a year, and then it comes out and it is just a buggy mess. I love it so much. Um, but it's a buggy mess on every other platform that I'm not using. It's like on PC, it works pretty well. And yeah, there are some glitches and yes, there's some weirdness, but nothing unexpected for, you know, a big open world RPG at this point. Like, well, okay. Okay. So this the, the development cycle gets at least a Q, if not a two Qs on the review scale, but how's the oh, fucking yeah. game? <laughs> oh Yeah. Uh, I'm personally loving it, like, warts and all. I didn't expect it to be a super-duper, um, I, I never expected it to be perfect, or anything close to perfect. Like, how how could it possibly be? Like, CDPR has a pretty good track record and a lot of goodwill after The Witcher, but The Witcher, when it launched, was a buggy mess, too. And over time, they've built it up into this kind of phenom um you know fixed a lot of the issues pretty <laughs> talking quick talking about the developer and the development of the game how is the fucking game <laughs> i don't want to talk about the details of the game because that would spoil it and it is worth not spoiling game fuck you i lost <laughs> the game I'm only like, I want to say maybe two hours into it, and quite honestly, in 2020 in my life, that is a lot of time in that game. So, um, I mean, yeah. it looks cool. The mechanics seem kind of fun. I think it's a little a little overcomplicated right now for me to get what's going on. But then I, I I hate, like, being the guy that plays the tutorial things of, like, this is how you hack the things, but also, like, when you have little mini puzzles, like the, the hacking thing that are completely not intuitive, that don't make any sense that you have to look online to get an explainer for, because even in on the game game tutorial are weird. Um, yeah. You gotta make the yeah. numbers match and you gotta go backwards. That's that's what I learned from the YouTube video. It's just like go backwards. Just don't don't even bother trying to solve the puzzle for just start from a number and go backwards and make little thingies line up. The end. Yeah, no, there's there's a bunch of different little strategies that you can take for the the breach protocol minigame, but I mean, honestly, it's it's matching numbers. Yeah. It's not super hard, and it gets it, it. It honestly, the more you do it, it just the easier it becomes. Um, yeah, the the vibe that I'm getting so far has been it's like uh, what is it DSX, but a little bit more like what they wanted the game to be, rather than having like a lot of like 
binary tree stuff. It's just like, hey, here's maybe like five things with branching paths that you could totally be. And it's just like, even like the base stats are kind of funny. It's just like, what, what's what's the charisma one? That just it's it's not called oh, charisma. Cool. cool factor. It's just like guns or cool factor or punching people in the face. I guess I want to be a cool person that punches people in the face. That's that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm waiting for my samurai sword. Just having on that. Oh, there you yet. go. There you go. Yeah. No. Um. Like I, I really like the way that they handled skill predict progression in this game. Like you have your base stats, and whenever you level up, you get a point to put into one of your base stats, and there's five of them. Cool. Uh. You know, guns, body makes you better at punching stuff. There's technical ability for like crafting and some of the the special high tech weaponry things. Um. And then there's hacking, and hacking is like your magic, right? It's your magic stat. You can you can quick hack <laughs> people in slowed down time, um, and honestly, that is super satisfying. Like there are a <laughs> bunch of different ones for like detonate somebody's grenade or the on their belt, or uh, just straight up reboot all their cybernetics. Um, there's this great one, contagion, which they justify in the flavor text. It's like, did you know that there are all these toxic chemicals in your implants, and did you know that you can exploit the uh, the implants to release those toxic chemicals into somebody's system. And by the way, <laughs> this hack propagates out to other people in a radius. So sure. it's, it's super duper you can fun. Be a, you can be a pyromancer. I'll just just, just yeah. call it pyromancy and we'll be done with it. You are a technomancer and it is fantastic because you can take control of like the camera systems in facilities and just like jump around the different cameras, find all the dudes and quick hack them. Just clear out <laughs> the entire building without ever going inside. Uh, I think Trey put it best. It's super satisfying to walk up to a gangster bar, hack into their cameras and set the bartender on fire. <laughs> like that's a thing you can do. Nice. Um, super duper fun but in addition to the attribute points that you get every level you also get skill points and your individual skills are not like one to one with your attributes there's three two three i think two or three depending on the the skill uh or depending on the attribute you have two or three skills that are tied to it um so like for your um your hacking skill you get the breach protocol and the quick hacks skills. Um, and you level those up by using those skills. So it's kind of like a Skyrim sort of progression mm -hmm. for your individual things. Uh, and as you level those up, you get bonuses for the skill. And some of those bonuses are additional perk points that you can use to uh, like unlock extra bonuses or specific attributes. Uh, crafting is you know, actually pretty useful in the game. Uh, and there are certain perks that you want to take that let you craft higher tier items or weapons or quick hacks or whatever. Just perks there's all also the way a lot, down. Yeah, there's a lot in, like, the cool stat for um, stealth. Like, you can move faster while sneaking, and you can do more damage when you're when you're not being looked at. Uh, that kind of stuff. It's. I, I, I had a question, and I think I answered it myself. I'm like, how does throwing knives in the cool factor? But I'm like, no, wait, throwing knives is pretty cool. I, I guess I can do the thing, because why not? <laughs> it is. It is very cool, uh, and it is a lot of fun. Um, so I had to back going... out of that, though, because they make you throw your actual like weapon 
like you have a weapon in your hand and you have three three slots where you can store weapons right for quick access and if you throw your knife or i guess you could throw your sword i don't know uh it takes that weapon out of your quick slot and puts it into hopefully the enemy's face where you can maybe retrieve it but if you miss uh or you don't kill the enemy then all of a sudden you have no weapons in your hands anymore and you have to go back into your inventory well, and I put will, new weapons in i will let you know how that goes because i'm just going to give him a bunch of knives and see what happens there you so. go yeah just carry <laughs> carry tons of knives um i think that the knife mechanic in the game specifically could be a lot more streamlined but it is a super cool thing so nice. so i hope so, they uh, i hope they fix it Kind of going a little back to like development developer stuff. How are you playing this game, and does it suck because <laughs> there's a whole group of people, uh, what is it, PS4, Xbox, whatever the last one was, that just can't play the game? Yeah, no, especially especially PS4 people. Like, um, oh god. So Microsoft has been. I want to talk about them first because they're easier. Microsoft has been pretty cool about giving refunds if you bought the game for the. I guess, soon-to-be last-generation console, the Xbox One. If you're not satisfied with the experience, they will give you a refund through the uh, whatever Microsoft Store construct. No problem. And that's the way that it honestly should be. And whether those refunds are justified or not, whatever. They may at least have set up that process for issuing refunds through uh, Microsoft. Sony, on the other hand, cannot seem to comprehend the fact that they can approve a game for the PS4 store and it not be perfect. Um, perfect or playable? I it think has, it is perfect or playable. off the store, correct? Yeah, well, they, they, they took it off the store. And they've done that for a couple of other games in the past um, as well. But this one gets a lot of focus because Hype, Hype Mountain is tall. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, it was just like you could not get a refund through Sony. You couldn't get a refund through the PlayStation Store for this game at all because their, they, their gimmick, I believe, was once you download it, you're already in possession of it. Too bad, so sad. Yeah, they're like no, no take backsies. Uh, so CDPR was like, I fuck this. We can't get Sony to understand that they approved a game that doesn't fucking work. So. We'll give you a refund directly. And, you know, good on them. They should do that. Whether that's a good process is... I mean, it's frankly not. Like, that shouldn't have been a thing. So CDPR is pissed at Sony for allowing the game on the store in the first place if it didn't fucking work. And apparently they were relying on Sony to be like, hey, this doesn't fucking work. Uh, But Sony was like, nah, everything looks great. It clearly doesn't. Yeah, Um, so... so I've been playing it on. I think there's dozens of us. Uh, Stadia, actually, because I, because <laughs> my um, my really? computer is maybe five-ish years old, and like I don't even want to humor and try to run it on this thing. It, it plays some games just fine. Like you know, I can still still play whatever random junk. But uh, so I tried the Stadia thing. Um, and it's been surprisingly pretty cool. Um, I think the other enticing thing was like they had a promotion where, um, they're desperate to get people into the ecosystem so they're like you buy the $60 game we're just going to give you the $100 starter the, the the pioneer starter kit that was the uh the little puck the chrome ultra thing and the controller 
mm-hmm. which is actually pretty nifty because um, the controller is actually c- connected directly to your Wi-Fi network. So it's actually like pretty cool because I'm like, oh, if I just want to play it on the Chromecast, it's just like put in a um, you know, up, down, A, B, and it'll p- play it there. If I want to play it on my laptop or even the computer I'm in front of, just type in those numbers with whatever screen you have with your little web browser window, and it's good to go. So um, I'm not one of those folks that, like, tries to max out on, like, all the frame rates and all that other crap. So um, I'd probably be getting the equivalent of whatever laptop or desktop I would have bought eventually to play it. So it's it's been, it's been fine. Um, you know... You're you're not the only person I've talked to who is playing it through Stadia. Uh, and honestly, as far as, like, um, if you want to have an experience that you just don't have to even think about, it honestly seems to just work for people. So it does I'm glad that, to hear that, that it is. That. Yeah, no, for real. Like, I got in... I, I bought into Stadia... Um, a while ago, I want to say like a year ago now. And it was mostly because I heard that it was going to be the only platform that was going to have Baldur's Gate 3, which is also out and in early access. And I haven't played it yet because I want it to come out of EA. Mm -hmm. But um, I got it for that reason. And then, you know, played around with it a little bit, was pretty impressed. Like it went through um, Shadow of the Tomb Raider with no issues. And I was like, cool, this is not garbage. Um, when I have a use for this, I will, I will load it up. Um, for me personally, like I still have a pretty decent personal rig. Um, and I have a 2080 TI, which you can make fun of now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) but, um, it runs cyberpunk on the vast majority of its highest settings with a few exclusions for some of the shadows, uh, at 60 plus, and that's worked pretty well for me. Nice. Now, granted, like, I I know I know that it's not fair to compare a $5,000 computer to a $600 <laughs> console, but I feel like you know there wasn't a whole lot of secrecy about the intense resource requirements for this game, and if you bought it for a last gen console. You might have a little bit of caveat emptor to deal with. <laughs> now that's that's not absolving like CDPR or Sony or Microsoft from saying, yeah, it totally works on our systems on PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, it totally works, guys. Like that <laughs> is honestly, it's not unfair to say that's an out and out lie. Uh, but I mean, come on. At the same time, just come on. Like, look <laughs> at the thing. Come on. Did you did you really expect it to be? Did you really expect the advertising to not be lying to you? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add, Zach? Because I'm like I've, I've I've only played two hours, so I think that's the extent. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. Maybe I'll get to I, hour three or four eventually. <laughs> I've put in a little bit more than that. Um, now that my year is functionally over for work i've had a little bit of time to to sink into it and you know honestly it is it is everything that i hoped it would be and i wish that they had charged me double what they actually did um like i i mean there's a whole screed that we could go down on the price of video games not keeping up with the price of development but honestly for me it would be worth it 
if they charged me double. Um, I've been having a ton of fun with it. I love all of the like side missions, the gigs, uh, all the extra flavor that's in the world. I like the weird little glitchy bugs that I see because it <laughs> makes the whole thing just feel a little bit more real to me in a backwards kind of way. Um, and I love that it's CDPR, so I'm really looking forward to where they take this in the future. So, yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I'm loving it. Works. You've been you've been awfully quiet. Does this game even interest you at all? Well, or is it, it on your radar? It, it took us like ten minutes to get Zach to talk about the game, so I just wanted to shut up and let him talk about the game. <laughs> um, I'm just not a huge you know open world RPG guy. Uh, it does you know sound cool. Uh, I know a lot of people, including Zach, you really they're having fun with it uh, on PC. Uh, obviously, I've heard some troubles with consoles, but um, I, I I'm lucky enough I have the option to play it in any way I want. I I don't know. Uh, I'm not particularly interested, just because, again, it's a, a genre of game that doesn't usually grab my attention. But if there's some reason to play it at some point, I'm not opposed. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that sucks a lot of people into this game in particular versus a bunch of the other, call them traditional open-world RPGs, is the setting. Um, typically, with a lot of the open-world stuff, you get sort of uh, a medieval, you know, swords and sorcery kind of a thing. Um, you know, you think Witcher or Skyrim, any of the Elder Scrolls games, uh, are kind of the big ones. And then this is just so it's different, but it's much the same. Like this really feels like a blend of you said Days X, accurate. Uh Skyrim definitely is in there. Uh Witcher, absolutely. I mean, it's got a lot of heritage to draw on. I think if you were intrigued mostly by the setting, you would have a good time with it. And I think one of the things that might make it appeal more to you is that there is a core critical path that the game tries to drive you down. And while you can go out and explore all of the flavor around you and are rewarded for doing so, if you stick to the core, you're playing, you know, mission to mission a pretty linear game that drives you through what is so far to me a pretty interesting story and a fantastic setting. So you could get something out of it that way. Just saying. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing else to add. Um, really, is there a different uh, thing you want to QQ or you want to QQ review? Or you want to jump to me or what do you want to do? Uh, did you all want to talk about Among Us? I mean, I think we probably should. It is it is the Zettergeist. I feel like everyone and their mother has been playing it, so... Well, it's kind of the game of 2020. And it's such a good game for 2020. Well, okay, can I, can I, can I back up then to the, the year is 2012? <laughs> I'm not kidding. So uh, Among yeah. Us is, is like the, uh, the digital version of um, the game Werewolf. I think it was the most common one. Um, yeah. But Avalon, there's other, there's other games like this. Uh, and I used to play a shit ton of Werewolf with a bunch of our, uh, one of the departments I worked in, all my coworkers were super into it. So we'd have these giant games that would last for, each round only lasted for, you know, uh, 20 minutes or so. But we would just play Werewolf for hours where it could be like 20 plus of us playing Werewolf. And people uh, would often um, indulge in some adult beverages, shall we say. And so sometimes they were a little rowdier, uh, perhaps, than would be normal. And so I have these just 
memories of playing werewolf with again like 20 screaming people for hours on end having so much fun and so as cool as it is to see everyone loving uh among us and being like oh you're the imposter you're the i mean to me in, in my head i'll always just i will forever hear you're the fucking werewolf i'm a villager you know like i i uh, uh i have this this like uh prequel to, to among us in my history that um i feel like those kids who like uh, used to play, like I used to play Counter Strikes, and people would like discover Halo. And be like we can play Halo, sixteen people, and I was like, oh, sixteen, you're cute. I've been, <laughs> I've been playing a lot more than that in Counter Strike, bro. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm that guy here. I'm turning my little my little nose up, and like ah, you kids have finally discovered this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, I just wanted to tell that story. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and it's it's absolutely based on that that core, uh, like werewolf mafia Avalon idea. Um, and it's got that that sort of core loop to it, and all the extras that it adds on to it. You know, the digital setting that it puts you in. Um, you know, the tasks that you have to do, uh, the way the imposters operate, and it's not just like uh, you close your eyes and the uh, werewolves have a secret screen that they collaborate on, um, so on. It it makes the game more dynamic. Uh, it's definitely a game that is best enjoyed with a group of 10 of your closest friends, uh, which can make it, you know, in any other year would make it hard to deal with, right? And, like, in any other year where people are, you know, well, just frankly traveling or dealing with, you know, work commutes or family stuff or, you know, birthday parties and holiday celebrations, like... Where would you find the time to get 10 people together? But this year, this year, you definitely can. And I've seen it more than once. Uh, but honestly, the coolest thing about Among Us to me is that uh, my wife will play Among Us. And she does not play video games. Uh, she, play, she plays Animal Crossing and uh, you know other stuff on the Switch now, which is you know fun. Uh, but she's not like... Video gaming wasn't part of her core identity as a kid. Uh, she didn't really grow up into it and doesn't really think of it as anything more than just, you know, kind of like this background noise of, oh, yeah, video games are a thing. Um, but she likes Among Us because she likes Werewolf. And Among Us is, it, it is that game. So it is something that she automatically understands. And all the extras that go along with it just aren't that hard to pick up. And getting a group of people together over Zoom or god forbid skype or whatever your your video chat <laughs> not choice discord is. as we recently learned not fucking discord <laughs> yeah well maybe with 10 people it's better but with like 30 maybe not yeah no it did not scale it did not scale folks <laughs> but yeah no um like seeing the seeing that game work for her has been a lot of fun um and you know, as far as things to do with friends, things that keep us connected to people, that is, it's just such a great tool at such the perfect time. So I'm really grateful for it. Yeah, I mean, for for the most part, like, I, I see all the positives, but I, I think I, I kind of side with Tom a little bit. It's just like, it's, for me, I have, a, I have, like, the hardest time playing that game because it's just like... I feel like it relies too much on your group dynamic because you can't like have that like hundred percent. 
Yeah, like like it's like with like the werewolf stuff. Like there's there's a couple, a couple things that kind of give like the werewolves and then the people advantages and disadvantages, and you can kind of like, you know, know who's this whatever is it the the night owl or the seer or stuff like that. That kind of like help expedite the game. And I'm every a time I, and, and every time I played it, it's just kind of like you walk around. It, it, it's always the same algorithm with it. It's just like with Among Us. It's just like everyone walks around. And it's either you're too noob and you and the the person kills someone right in front of you, or they stumble on the dead body, and then it's just like, then it's just all group dynamics from there after that. Like it's just like, it's I it I haven't figured it out yet, but I haven't like what is the skill to playing Among Us? And it just it's just, I haven't seen it yet, other than like hang out yeah. with the cameras and hope you catch someone in the act because that's the only way to like get lying, extra information. Like, lying is the skill. <laughs> yeah, no, but, that, that's. That's kind of the whole point, though. Like the it's it's the same with things like werewolf. If your group kind of sucks, or if they don't know each other at all, <laughs> then it's not as much fun as a game. Mm-hmm. And that's true in Among Us as well. Like it really does depend on having a group that you're gelling with. I don't mm-hmm. understand playing Among Us with random people online. I do not get that at all. But uh, playing it with a group. Uh, even if it's mostly a group that you're familiar with, if you're coming in and you know, you know, three out of the ten people, you're doing pretty good. Um, I think that would still be okay. But like, I don't know. I'm I'm with Tom. Like, I have these vivid memories of playing Werewolf with a group full of lawyers, <laughs> and just the arguments and the circuitous like paths of reasoning for why this person cannot possibly be the werewolf or why this person definitely is I, the I, same stuff shows up in among us with a I, similar I group i think it's very funny that both of you said oh i'm with tom on this one because i'm not asking anyone to stand with me i'm i'm being a little bit uh like facetiously snobby i mean like it's a joke well, you don't, right you don't stand for anything so you stand for everything so agreeable god damn it but yeah, yeah so, so i guess us, i guess the only thing. way to get better at at among us is like i, I felt like it was like map knowledge mm. and that mm-hmm. that's that's primarily because like that's where all your lies basically stream from it's it's just like oh well i was walking past medical and i'm like um I just I I love the new the new one. I'm like I don't know where's that. I was swiping my card and that's what I was doing. And they just keep my fingers crossed that no one else was swiping cards while I was killing people. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can think of it the same way for any other board game. Like you have to know the board a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in order to be sort of proficient with the game. But I don't know if proficiency is the same as skill. Uh, necessarily, but I think you get that after a few rounds, stuff starts to kind of gel a little bit. Once you run around the same area a few times, you start to get the lay of the land. Um, and like I said, if you're with even a partial group of people that you know, then it's just such a vastly better experience. Agreed. Uh, well, cool. If it's uh, if it's my turn to QQ review a thing, um. I'll I'll take the complete 100% opposite route of you guys. I'll shout out to an indie game that uh, there there was an indie game called Dicey Dungeons, and it's been on Steam for a while. I think it actually might have come out last year. Uh, I had picked it up on PC at, like very beginning of this year, and it just came out for Switch a week ago. So I immediately picked it up on Switch and been playing it a little bit here and there on Switch for a couple hours. So um, 
it's it's fun. It's an indie game. It's uh, it's a roguelike because every indie game is a fucking roguelike in twenty twenty. <laughs> it kind of has to be. But it's uh, it's just um, it's a roguelike RPG where um, you roll dice to power abilities. It's very uh, simple. It's very I don't know, fun. Uh, well, I think what's neat about the roguelikes in this case, you unlock different characters, and the characters have radically different mechanics about kind of like how you use the dice. So the the warrior, all his abilities about rolling high numbers, and the thief is about uh, rogue or whatever his thing is, is ro- rolling lots of small numbers. Uh, there's the robot, and the robot doesn't roll dice. He like adds, like he rolls one dice at a time, but it adds until his CPU breaks. So you have this like risk reward, how high you go ratio thing. It's it's neat. Each character uh, has a lot of diversity. Um, and yeah, Dicey Dungeons. Uh, it's a really small game. It's uh, really enjoyable. I highly recommend anyone check it out. Dig it. I, just, I had to it. go for the opposite of the big blockbuster since we talked about Among Us and Cyberpunk. I had to flip, I had to flip that script. Uh, speaking of indie games that were kind of blockbusters, there was another one that showed up towards the beginning of the year. Um, Fall Guys? Did you guys ever play any of that? I can't even remember a lot about what it. that was about now. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of my point. Like, it was big <laughs> for a couple of months, and I, it was one of those that it probably came out in 2019 or 2018. Like, it had been out for a while, and then somebody on Twitch picked it up and started playing with it, and it was just this mind virus in Twitch. <laughs> and suddenly everybody was streaming it, and everybody was talking about it, and they got their player numbers just through the fucking roof. Um, and I never installed it. I watched like one, a couple of the highlights that would show up on like Reddit because, you know, it's, it's not a complex game. You can kind of figure out what the idea is. Um, it reminded me of, um, oh gosh, what was the name of that game? It was like a, a fighting beat em up, uh, wrestling game sort of, but you had like these derpy smash brothers. Not Smash Brothers, but you know, <laughs> similar, similar idea. You're trying to like beat other players up and kick them off the stage, and but you're like, it, it was very, very squishy controls and dudes. Ah, uh, somebody would know what I'm talking about, but I have no idea. The, the, yeah. That somebody is not me. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the game. Anyway, it's just, yeah, it's these squishy little characters trying to run through this obstacle course to get to a goal with, like, a hundred other people on the same course, which is just chaos. And chaos, it was fun chaos to watch. Um, But then it just kind of faded out, and everybody stopped playing it, like, after two months. And (laughs) I just, I don't see it anymore. I'm sure their numbers are still way better than they were at the beginning of the year, like as far as consecutive players in any given time, but uh, it was one of those that was like, it was a meme for a good chunk of the beginning of this year and then just faded away. Well, it had 15 players at the beginning of the year, but what was important, it was going down to zero. So just in a few months, it would go down to zero. So by April, you know, when the heat arrives, people would stop playing Fall Guys. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. my Devolver. I like those guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, um, moving on. Uh, that was Fall Guys. Ruling, it's back to you. Anything you want to keep your review? Games, movies, television shows that aren't The Mandalorian Season 2? Um, My back pocket one, because I'm trying to think of something really quick. Uh, All of the Jackbox stuff, I don't know what's came out in 2020, but I feel like 
Jackbox games has also been one of the things of 2020. Um, which one came out in 2020? Party Pack. Have you all played any of those before? Uh, the Jackbox games? Just like yeah. one time. Yeah. Um, let's see. Did this one come out? Did Party Pack 6 come out? I'm going to just say Party Pack 6 came out this year. Yeah. So uh, definitely played uh, Trivia Murder Party 2 a couple of times with with uh, the folks and Joke Boat and Push the Button and things like that. So uh I think it's also it's one of those games too where just like it was a good party game in person and it's if you jump through a couple hoops and have someone who's streaming it you can play across the internet and not be in the same room which is 2020 in itself so uh, those are pretty cool um, I know I've played it at least a couple times this year so uh, thumbs up to that. I just realized we're QQ reviewing this without actually giving anything a QQ score. <laughs> <laughs> too bad. Yeah, it's more like the QQ shout-out review. Shout-out! All right, well, if it's back to me, and I just did uh, Dicey Dungeons, just keep keep on the game train here. Age of Calamity. Uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. Just released a month ago oh, now, yeah. I think. End of, end of Thanksgiving? Or end of Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, because Thanksgiving's a month. End of November. Um, it's a Musou game. It's the second uh, Hyrule Warriors game, but it was uh, basically a... a prequel to Breath of the Wild. Um, I'm going to get into spoilers, because I'm sure the sh- two of you don't care. It sort of is, but it sort of isn't. It starts out as a prequel to Breath of the Wild, but it it halfway through kind of goes off the rails and establishes it is a alternate timeline. So even though, you know, you're supposed to Breath of the Wild, spoiler, as if you didn't know in the first five minutes, um, you know, like the world is destroyed, Calamity again in one. Well, in Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity, uh, you ultimately end up uh, succeeding at stopping Calamity Ganon. So it's an alternate timeline, because we don't have enough of those in the Zelda uh, mythos. But uh, I, uh, the game was... Go ahead. Uh, I, I think I've seen some of the memes about that, of like, oh, we, we missed you, Link, where were you? And then it was a picture of him just riding his car in Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I'm glad I'm glad they've retconned Link out of Mario Kart. That that yes. seems very fitting, because he had to go save Hyrule. So thank you, thank you Link. I have to go. My kingdom needs me. Uh, That's exactly what he sounds like. uh, The the (laughs) game was a lot of fun. If you're a Breath of the Wild fan, they... The other other Musou reskins are effectively just reskins of a Warriors game. This really... They took so many elements from Breath of the Wild and shoved so many elements into this game um, that it really felt uh, like a Breath of the Wild prequel. Um, The art and the visuals are... uh, Again, like just picture perfect. You'd almost do, you'd almost think you were playing the Breath of the Wild engine. It looks like it, um, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, it's it's a Musou game, but it's a ton of fun if you if you like Musou, if you like Zelda. I just I can't recommend it enough. Ultimately, I'm not a a huge grindy. I'm gonna complete everything, guys. So I got through the whole campaign. I did a shit ton of the side missions, and there's a shit ton more. And I probably am am I, I'm slowed down. I'm probably not gonna go back and like complete it. Certainly, but it was a shit ton of fun. Uh, especially if you like to brought the wild, because when you get to actually play as the champions and plays like Rivali and bring out your bow and are just blowing out hundreds of Macoplans, um, it is it is a fucking good time, guys. So, uh, Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity, highly recommended. Very cool. Nice. Well, cool, Zach. We're back to you. Um, we could do uh, a final lap here. We don't have to do just games. We could bring up something else. Well, we do more games, whatever you're into. I'm, just, I'm stuck on the idea of like Link, the silent protagonist, actually sounding like just Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood talks? I have to go. My kingdom needs me. 
Uh, what is your Clint Eastwood sound like Shatner? What was the What was the guy who was like? Uh, what was the name of the dude? Like uh, something something Pilgrim. John Wayne. Are you John Wayne? <laughs> God damn! Cannot remember name. Wow. Yeah, no, we need Link to come out as John Wayne <laughs> in the next game, voiced by John Wayne. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I had a, a whole other thought, but now I'm stuck on that. Wow. <laughs> okay, I think uh, we broke Zach. <laughs> no, I've got one, I've got one. I've got one, but it's actually Tom who should talk about it. Um, Half-Life Alex. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, I haven't played it. I actually, I still need to replace my VR headset. Um, I was going to when I built a new machine, but then I ended up not doing that because hardware is insane at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, Half-Life Alex, the next chapter in Half-Life for VR. Yeah, it, it is by far... So, I, again, I, I love Half-Life games in the sense that I've played a shit ton of Half-Life mods. I haven't actually p- completed Half-Life 1 or 2, so, you know, huge <laughs> disclaimer there. But um, Alex was phenomenal. It's the most, by far, the most immersive VR experience I've ever seen, heard, anything of the sort. Um, it's a ton of fun. It's uh, more puzzle than it is action, by far. Uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't burn through it, because it can be exhausting again to be like up and moving around and doing the whole, you know, full-body VR thing, but I, I well, I guess I burned through it by my standards, because I played through it um, in, I think, um, uh, two months, you know, every, every weekend I play a couple of hours, and I think it was only like 13, 14 hours long, so it was it was a ton of fun, uh, and there's a bunch of mods out there, I've, I've actually done some research on mods, it's actually something I'd like to get back into and try stuff in the modding community, either just custom-made maps that have all new things, or I'd kind of like to go back and play the actual campaign again with a couple of mods to, like, give me unlimited ammo, for instance, so I could treat it more like an action game and just kind of speedrun it and just shoot things. Because you actually really have to care about ammunition and, you know, conserving it when you're when you're playing Alex. Uh, it's it's great. It's immersive. It's It doesn't outstay its welcome. I I don't know what else to add. At this point... There's like one major spoiler for the ending, but I guess I can save that and spare you. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's an incredible experience. It, I, I think there's this really difficult place for VR right now. And, and Zach, I don't know what your opinion on this, but there's this difficult place where even as amazing and immersive and incredible as Alex is, and it is incredible, truly incredible, there is still this limit to people aren't going to run out and spend 500 to to $1,000 to get a rig to do this one experience i understand people do that for game consoles but that's 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 hyperbole they don't do that in a vacuum they don't get a ps5 so you can only ever play one game you get get a console for hundred dollars because you can play games for the next you know seven years on that console so vr alex is amazing i do think it's a game changer for vr but are other companies gonna be able to, to create this type of experience uh, knowing what AAA games cost to put out to a platform that other else is going to have, and are people going to buy this platform just to play Alex? Oh, God. I mean, probably not, but it doesn't make it any less of a monumental achievement. Oh, there <laughs> yeah. you go. There's my rant. No, it's it's super-duper cool, and I really I have a ton of FOMO for Alex in particular, and I am still really enthusiastic about VR as a... I'm going to call it a platform. Um, because I think that's the most applicable sure. thing to describe it. Um, 
the way that I see it right now is VR is still, it's kind of like the internet in the early 2000s. And there was a lot of cool stuff going on in the early 2000s. Like 2004, we got Google and Facebook. Uh, and I don't want to point to Facebook specifically. It's a cool <laughs> thing. But it was um, it was a time where a lot of the technology that went into providing experiences for the internet was um, starting to take shape, right? And a lot of the same tools and technologies are starting to take shape in VR. And so the things that enable companies or development studios, uh, indie developers to put out experiences for VR are getting better all the time while the technology itself is also trying to figure out what the what the ultimate shape of the landscape is going to look like. Like, there, I guess, what is the tool that you want to use? Do you want to go with what is you know, most fleshed out right this second, which in early 2000s internet might be Flash? Or do you want to look for what's going to provide the um, sort of next generation experience with, you know, HTML 2.0 and CSS3 and JavaScript? Um, yeah, it, and it's and it's hard to... I think as a developer, look at what's going on in this space and all of the action that's taking place behind the scenes um, to enable people to create experiences for this platform and pick out what is going to work two years from now or even a year from now with any degree of confidence. And that's a hard spot to be in. But at the same time, you know, looking back and again, taking the internet as an example if it follows even a similar trajectory, then we're going to start to see a lot better tools for creators, and we're going to see a consolidation of the platform around those tools that makes it less of a scary upfront investment cost and will sort of bring some of those experiences into that platform at the same time driving costs down for the headsets themselves, you know, the things that people have to actually invest in to get into this ecosystem uh, and improving things like just the straight up user experience. Like one of the biggest gripes that I, even I have with the call it top tier uh, VR experiences that I still have this giant cable sticking out the back of my head that I have to manage while I'm in there and wireless technology for that would be way better. And it's coming, and you can see it in a few places. Has stuff but, like the uh, yeah. Oculus Quest kind of been a peak in that direction, or is it still kind of? It definitely not is. As good? I have I have a lot of complaints with the way that Facebook and Oculus have uh, sort of driven their particular brand of VR. Um, oh God, like, no comment. We knew, we knew, everybody knew as soon as Facebook bought Oculus that it was going to turn into exactly what it's turned into, which is an ad platform for Facebook. I thought we were going to be cynical, and then it went there. Garbage aside, like, is it a technical, like, is it a marvelous piece of technology that is worth the impulse buy, or is it just that it's just so, so much crud with all the Facebook stuff attached to it, just wait until someone else comes up with one in that same price range? Or is that never going to happen? I would honestly... I I have a real hard time recommending a Quest just because 
it is a Facebook ad platform. If you understand that and are okay with it, it is a still, it, it's a fantastic experience. Like not having wires to manage, uh, having still pretty great, um, you know, fidelity in the, the hardware itself. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a bad machine and it's not bad technology. It's just being used for evil. And so it's really hard to recommend. Yeah. If anybody, if anybody came out with a similar, you know, user experience for the hardware, uh, I would recommend that first, even if it didn't have quite the same like walled garden of content. Um, I I no really comment. do think that uh, well, you can get a wireless adapter for the last generation of Vive. Um, whether or not that's worth it is an entirely different question because I think that wireless adapter on its own is three hundred dollars, uh, and it's a last generation headset. But the fact that that is kind of being driven in that direction, like the user experience for the hardware is the big sticking point for a lot of people. And beyond that, the cost and balancing the fact that you have to increase the price of the thing to get the experience, the premium experience that everybody really wants just doesn't quite work yet. But I think it's going to get there. And part of the reason I think it's going to get there is this move towards SOCs that we're seeing in the ARM space, especially in the, you saw the M1 Max come out this year. Um, That's been a really successful launch for them. Like it's not everything that the marketing makes it out to be, but the M1 ARM-based Macs are really powerful, low-power machines, which is exactly what you need in something like VR, especially wireless VR. So if you could get that, if you can get the wireless FireWire, which, again, is more of an Apple thing at the moment than it is anything else, then this, like, foundational shift to SOCs, uh, better wireless bandwidth with the new, especially Qualcomm is putting out just absolutely ridiculous numbers on their new chips, all of the parts are coming together to get that premium experience at a much lower cost. So I think it's coming. And I feel bad saying that because it's been coming for like 10 <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> if I remember, Oculus was like the original Kickstarter one, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Oculus was kind of the the kick in the pants that made everybody think, oh, shit, this is actually not only possible, but reasonable in a lot of ways. And that's still true. Uh, but there are caveats that turns out people care a lot about. So getting around those has been where a lot of the work has gone. A uh, slight tangent, but I would take this opportunity to plug. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called This Does Not Compute. He recently did a review of uh, the latest MacBook Pro with the ARM processors and talked about how, yeah, the marketing probably is blowing it out of proportion but there are some things that are impressive some things are uh just more or less the same and power consumption is ridiculously efficient and battery life kicks ass so uh it's this so is good great, that, great channel yeah no the 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 power consumption like we don't think about that and i especially i don't personally care about it a huge amount because power is basically free where i live and um <laughs> it just high power high power machines are, are where i put my my uh, my focus for a long, long time. But getting the kind of performance numbers that that M1 is putting out 
for as little wattage as it consumes is insane. It's absolutely fucking insane. Like the compared to your highest end desktop, no, there's not really a comparison. But compared to anything in the same power class, holy fuck. That shit is impressive. Yep, I may not be the huge, you know, Apple fanboy by any stretch, but uh I have to confess their their arm their adaptation of arm tech is pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm annoyed that it's arm and not anything x86 based, but yeah, the whole you know, point is that it's ARM, though. Eh, that's a whole other conversation. I know, but I'm an instruction set queen. Boy, I'll say. <sighs> I mean, I, I guess I could talk about my laptop, but I haven't used it for anything other than streaming Stadia and Netflix. So um, <laughs> there you go. It's, it's magical, and it turns on as soon as I open it, which is pretty nice. You know what I call that? A Chromebook. <laughs> well, except I can actually run applications on it, like Blender and Visual Studio Code and lots of other stuff too. So yes, yes, you can you can boot Linux on a Chromebook. You know what I call it? A Chromebook. Oh, you can, but it's I've actually tried doing that. It's just such a pain in the ass. It's just like everything is just like every time I boot it up, and it's just like it has that like really annoying warning that hey, you've you've mocked up your thing, you've mucked it up. Yeah. Are oh, sure that's not Wait ten seconds, and I'm gonna scream at you. Exactly. Thanks. The, the, Thanks, Chromebook. Yes, yes, Tom. I know. Just because it, it boots up immediately to that screen is not booting up immediately. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I finally had to give up. Like I really thought that this was going to be. Um, so I, I switched jobs uh, towards the beginning of the year, and um, you know, working remotely on a MacBook is it's fine, but like not having a bunch of monitors to play with has been my biggest gripe of everything Apple just ever. Um, so I was like, okay, well, you know, it's 2020. Surely I can get a decent, like, plug-and-play Linux experience by now. Turns out, no. Still no. I have an Ubuntu install um, on a separate drive on my main desktop, and it took me a week and a half to get it to a stable configuration that worked for a good few months. But then I left it off for a couple of weeks. Like, I just, I, I wasn't doing anything that really required me to to uh, spread out on my big desktop monitors like I would normally. And so I just, I, I wasn't booted into it. It was off for two weeks. And then I came back and I tried to boot into it. And it just fucking forgot everything that I set up and was like, hey, I don't recognize anything anymore. What are all these monitors? What even are monitors? Linux doesn't want monitors. It really hates that it has <laughs> monitors just, attached just terminal, to it, just, period. You just, you just need one terminal. That's all you need. <laughs> it's exactly right. And so I'm like, I would love to just work in a terminal Linux, but I really like VS Code. So could you maybe show me a desktop? It's like, fine, but I'm only going to show it to you in 1024 by 768. I'm like, that's great. My 4K monitor looks awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's amazing to me that everybody else has figured out monitors except Linux at this point. It's like, come the fuck on. <laughs> Multiple monitors, singular terminal. Multiple monitors, singular terminal. Okay. You know what you could probably do? It's just like, have one instance and just like have like 
just run Docker for different things on everyone. Just like just have it be like a host machine and just make its own like little yeah, terminal no, window just, for each one. So fun story. Windows, so just SSH in multiple terminals. So the fun part about working in a cloud company is that I get a lot of cloud resources. So that's almost exactly what I've done. I have VMs in the cloud that I just remote into. Um, and so I will spin up a few of them on different monitors. And it's like, yeah, my Linux install is still useful. I just don't use it for the desktop anymore. As soon as it loads in, I just uh, SSH into a, uh, I, well, it's Bastion, and then remote into two or three machines and just throw those up on different monitors. And it's like, okay, well, I guess this works. I'm okay with this. <sighs> well, this got way too nerdy. <laughs> Ruli, do you want to plug any last thing before we uh, wrap up? I was trying to see if there was anything that I like got excited about on Twitter, and the last thing I did see is, is from November, because um, there was some Halloween streaming movie stuff. Uh, the movie's called What Happens Next Will Scare You. You can't stream it anywhere right now, so I don't even know what it's worth talking about, but I really, really liked it. And um, the whole gimmick is like... Um, it's like a like a BuzzFeed parody type thing of just like these folks try to find the scariest videos on the internet, and then it's 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 the wrapper for an anthology horror movie, and it's it's pretty cool. I liked it a lot. Um, I I totally dig the stuff that the the guys have done in, in the past. Uh, this this is this is the indie indie side of horror stuff, which is uh, what I'm always into. Um, but you know, it's not streaming anywhere, which is sad. But one day they'll they'll figure out how to distribute it, and I will talk about it again. So yay, indie horror. Uh, well, cool. Uh, we, we've spent all night talking about mostly video games. We've spent all night talking about most things we like. Uh, I guess I'll go out saying a video game I unfortunately did not like. I, I highly recommend the game Super Hot. There's Super Hot. Uh, the original game is on PC, it's on consoles, it's on Switch. Uh, uh, highly recommended. Lots of fun. There's Super Hot VR, which is also really cool. Um, I might tell you that Super Hot Normal is actually a little more fun than Super Hot VR, but still absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. Well, the team just released their third game, Super Hot uh, Mind Control Delete, um, which is basically a roguelike, <laughs> a roguelike version of Super Hot. And I got to tell you guys, I just wasn't very enthusiastic. Um, whereas Super Hot, every level is like handcrafted, so it's like everything is different, and you're going through these like series of puzzles. The roguelike elements of just using the same rooms over and over again and having enemies randomly spawn just kind of becomes repetitive and a little annoying, and I churned out of it after like an hour. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, I did not care for it, and I hate saying that, because Superhot's great. I, go pick up Superhot. Go pick up Superhot VR, but Mind Control Delete did not do it for me. Alright, go out on a low note, because that's 2020, baby! Which is, which is funny, because like, um, with the Stadia thing, because you gotta, like, the, the gimmick is like 10 bucks a month or whatever. I think that game's free, so I, I made sure to claim I, it so I could yeah, try it. Yeah, it's on Game Pass uh, for yeah. Xbox, so it, it's on a bunch of things. Nice. Yep. Well, all right, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. Gentlemen, um, it's, it's been a year. It certainly has been a year. Uh, thanks. We, I think we podcasted pretty damn consistently throughout the whole thing. Uh, just seriously, I'll say it on mic. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I fucking needed it. Um, it was great talking to you guys. Yeah, hopefully we'll see each other again in reality. 
next year, hopefully, some things will, will start getting back to normal, um, and that off sub that off limits topic won't be as tempting to talk about. Really, uh, I hope. But um, yeah, god damn, it has been a year. Indeed. It has been a year. Well, thank you, Tom. This has always been fun. And the Absolutely. important question is: this, those two episodes, are they in the can yet that we re- recorded? Or are they still waiting in in on They're your posted. hard drive? They're, they're up. posted. Wow. They're, bu- they're up. Sick. Yeah, I added them both the same night, and then actually I post them together. But I use the schedule feature of uh, Squarespace, not a sponsor. Um, and I scheduled the release earlier today of the last one. So I'll put this guy up. I'll probably schedule him for release tomorrow. Uh, maybe the day after we give dear listener a uh, Christmas Eve Christmas gift from the QQ cast. Wow. <laughs> How sweet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I guess, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, I mean, next week's technically after the holiday, isn't it? Yeah, maybe we'll talk next week. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to see you guys in 2021. I, I I may be able to do the 29th, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll figure Until it out. Me in. All right. Cool. Zach, Ruley, thanks again. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. And until next time. QQ. Ah, oh, shit. I didn't talk about Flight Simulator. Too late. For once in your life. <laughs> <laughs> when, when can we impose a deadline on Tom to finish the Mandalorian? Because I want to talk about that. I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in, in y'all's opinion than, than my own. Um, yeah. Because that, that's yeah. your homework, Tom. Get with it. Chop I know. Off. I, watched, I know. I watched that last episode, and yeah, I have thoughts. Uh, soon, 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 soon. Once <laughs> it's not relevant to the popular zeitgeist, then we can talk about it on our podcast. <laughs> Once no one yeah. cares. All right. It's fair enough. The end is coming! Hey, dear listener, thank you so very much for joining us. If you like what you hear, check out our website at qq-cast.com. We have multiple types of podcasts, quests, news, reviews, and our choose-your-own-adventure podcast, The QQ Adventure. That website, again, is qq-cast.com. Now, please remember that all views and opinions expressed on the podcast are representative solely of the person expressing them, not of their friends and family, not of their co-workers or co-hosts, and certainly not of their employers, past, present, or future. Again, thank you for joining us, and thank you for respecting our individuality.